0: From VT Digger, I'm Mike Dougherty. This is The Deeper Dig. This week, as more sectors of the economy reopen for business, the downturn caused by COVID-19 is already having an outsized impact on low-wage workers. And while state and federal lawmakers have advanced some short-term relief measures, analysts wonder whether the pandemic could trigger a long overdue conversation about inequality. Hi, this is Bram. This is Bram Kleppner. He's the CEO of Danforth in Middlebury, a company that manufactures pewter gifts.
1: We make every piece by hand in our Middlebury workshop, and we have five retail stores in Vermont and uh, five outside of Vermont. Got
0: it. So you're kind of seeing this from a couple different sides, both the kind of manufacturing side and the retail side.
1: Yes, and uh, very different experiences. Well, in some ways different and in some ways the same on the the different sides of our business.
0: Bram said the company shut down all nine of its retail stores on March 16th, about a week before the governor issued his stay-home
1: order. Now, that pretty clearly kicked us straight into crisis mode because more than 40% of our sales come to our retail stores. So overnight, we had a 40% drop in revenue. Wow.
0: So they started making cuts.
1: We ended up uh, laying off all of the people who worked in our retail stores and um, about half of our office staff, including two members of the leadership team, and cut all the other salaried people's pay to 70%. And the hourly people who work in our workshop, we cut to three days a week.
0: Bram said the fallout from all this has made clear that some of his workers are getting hit harder than others.
1: There's some of us for whom it is merely an inconvenience, right? We've got pleasant homes and stable family situations and no concerns about running out of food and so forth. And then there are certainly others of us in the Danforth crew who are... At the other end of the economic spectrum and who are living in unstable situations, who are in, you know, substandard housing of very limited size, Hmm. often with other people who are not particularly functional.
0: For those employees, federal assistance has been key. And when that assistance goes away, it's hard to tell what happens next.
1: In general, I give Congress a lot of credit for getting the programs put together and launched quickly. And in many cases, quickly getting cash into the hands of people who needed it most. Many, I'd say most of uh, the people that we laid off, either entirely or partially, have been getting $600 a week checks. And, you know, absolutely. For some of them, it means they are making more not working at all or working three days a week than they were working five days a week. Hmm. You know, I think in general, like that's great, right? I mean, these are. Absolutely people who, uh you know, it is is—it is very rare that anything works in their favor and to have a program that finally works in their favor and over, you know, six or seven weeks puts $4,000 into their personal finances uh, probably has never happened before and will never happen again. But it is also true that there have been some people who have, you know, been pretty clear about, you know, I'd, I'd rather you call me back to work last because this is working for me.
2: It's very clear that the kind of people who have jobs that could be done remotely are more likely to be the better paid, maybe white collar workers who can go home and work in the comfort of their homes. And that people who work in restaurants, in child cares, In service jobs like salons, tattoo operations, they lost their jobs very swiftly. They had to wait a long time as self-employed people for the unemployment department to get their new program for these self-employed up and running. And these people have been, a lot of them have been left high and dry. I mean, there's still people who haven't gotten paid by unemployment yet at all, and we're two months into this. So it has disproportionately hit restaurant and resort workers and people in lower paid jobs. And studies are starting to show that, too. It's just a quirk of how this has played out.
0: Our business reporter, Ann Wallace-Allen, has been looking into the effects of the COVID-19 crisis on Vermont's workforce.
2: We have been hearing questions about equity since this crisis began, and uh, a lot of measures that were taken in really, really, really quickly. As we know, just, you know, closing down the restaurants on March 17th, suddenly um, restaurant owners were saying, I don't know how to help my employees. They're suddenly out of work. Uh, the unemployment system isn't up and running yet. I, I'm making meals for people. And then... Just about a week ago, I was talking to a manufacturer in Rochester who owns a company called Advanced Illumination. And he was talking to me about how one of the problems he had sensed in his own company is that a lot of the administrative workers and the engineers had been able to go home and the people who work on the floor hadn't. And he said that was really a sense. He he sensed strongly that the Workers felt that that was unfair, that they had to keep coming to work and possibly exposing themselves to COVID-19 and that that was an inequity he wanted to address because he really sensed it was causing them some pain. Um, And he also knew that they could, a lot of them could leave, go on unemployment and make more money on unemployment than they could working for him. And he wanted to keep his company intact. So he decided to raise the pay of the workers on the floor by 30% for the duration of this crisis and he's not raising the pay for the people who are at home he's really raising the pay for the people on the floors an acknowledgement of the risk that they're putting themselves in front of and he said he really thinks that that they appreciate that and it made a difference to them to see that they were actually getting noticed and compensated for what they were doing and that's on a on a different scale the, that's what the state is talking about doing first the state of Vermont is, has raised the pay for state workers who still are um, putting themselves in harm's way by going out in the public and also uh, state law are working on a bill that is uh, the Senate has passed that would give bonuses to people who work for essential companies and whose work brings them in front of the public. People like home health care providers and grocery store workers. These grants would go to people who make $25 an hour or less, and there'd be some other limitations on who gets them. But the lawmakers who came up with this idea also wanted to address what they saw as a basic unfairness in the way that this thing has played out.
0: Because the way it is right now, there's no mandate. It's up to employers to decide how they want to approach that or even whether they consider that to be an unfairness in the first place.
2: Right. And I've gotten a lot of emails from people who are asking me not to share their name, their story or their employer saying, my employer really hasn't taken that many steps to keep us safe. We're all still working in the office. We're all still working together on the floor. There's no way that we could do the six foot physical distancing. There's definitely a lot of people in the the economy right now who are working um, in a way that puts them in, in harm's way.
0: And there have been some steps to rectify some of that. And it seems like now we're in this new phase where we're starting to reopen many of these sectors of the economy. How are things changing and how are they not?
2: That's a really good question. I mean, there's so many strange, complicating factors that have warped the normal reasons or influences why people do things. So one of them is the $600 a week that the federal government added to a state unemployment payments, which is like a, the equivalent of a $15 an hour job. And this is something that the legislature has mentioned when the lawmakers have put together this grants bill to compensate people who choose to stay at their grocery store job instead of leaving to go on unemployment and earn much more. They're saying we want to, we want to address that too by paying them a little bit of a bonus to thank them. But it's, you know, Vermont was already struggling and people in resort And restaurant jobs were already not doing very well. They already didn't have very good access to health care. There's a housing shortage that makes it difficult to find affordable housing. And unfortunately, it just seems as though the fallout from the economic remedies, the closures, are hurting those people. The ones that were hurting before, they're hitting them harder.
0: A lot of these equity issues are really just exaggerated versions of, of what we've seen in the past.
2: Exactly. It's, these are already problems, structural problems, and now it's just that they're getting worse and people are feeling the impact more.
0: We'll be right back. Just a quick message from our underwriters. Whether you're on the move or on the couch, Northfield Savings Bank gives you everything you need to bank your way. From people you can talk to in a branch right down the street, to complete, convenient online services right at your fingertips, Northfield Savings Bank is there to support you and fit the way you live your life. It's just another way Northfield Savings Bank continues to be the bank for builders, makers, doers, like you. Find out more at nsbvt.com. And who else have you talked to to get a sense of how these structural problems have been aggravated by this crisis?
2: Well, I also talked to Stephanie Yu, who's the deputy director of the Public Assets Institute, which is an economic think tank in Montpelier. One of the questions I asked her was about income inequality, which Vermont has been... Working on for a couple years, of closing the income gap between the really high earners and the large number of people who don't even make enough money to meet their basic needs. And she said a couple interesting things. One of them was that the fact that Congress added $600 to the base unemployment payment, she said shows that policymakers know that a basic wage or a minimum wage job is not enough for for a person or a family to survive on. She said that's just proof. I mean, she's hoping that this will translate into some sort of action that will level the playing field for low wage workers.
3: It's a big acknowledgement that a lot of what we were paying people before this wasn't sufficient. And so people who have lost their jobs are getting additional relief and, you know, enough Enough funds to support their families, but the people who are still working are in a different situation.
2: Another thing is, I asked her how economic inequality affects people, not just the people who are making too little to live on, but everybody. And she said the costs of a society, having a society where there's a very large wage gap are borne by everybody in society. For example, the people in that large number who don't make enough money to survive. They don't access health care in a timely manner, so they are less healthy, and also um, their health costs are higher, and those are costs that everybody pays.
3: Over the last 30 to 40 years, you've really seen this growth, and you can, you know, we can measure it state by state, so we can specifically see that even in Vermont, even though we might not have started from a place as far apart as some other places, the growth has actually been faster in terms of the separation, right? So the top top income earners have pulled away more quickly in Vermont than in some other places. There's a good body of academic research on the sort of the next level effects of income inequality. So looking at the fact that it actually slows down economic growth. So it's a drag on the economy in general. Um, it also causes significant health problems. And those health problems don't just affect sort of the people at the lower end of the income spectrum. They affect everybody, right, because it has a real impact on our healthcare system, on capacity, on costs, on all of those things.
2: There's lower productivity, um, lower school achievement. I mean, all of the unfortunate outcomes of poverty are actually borne by a lot of people in society in, in ways that we don't necessarily see right away.
3: And it also just really reduces upward mobility, social mobility. So in terms of the likelihood of kids moving out of the economic strata into which they're born and raised, you know, it really limits that ability. People are stuck. In this
2: time of COVID, uh, how likely is it that anyone's going to be able to make a meaningful change to wages?
3: Well, I, so I think you you raised a good question in terms of looking at what employers are doing in response and recognizing that their workers are, you know, sort of looking around and seeing the, the unfairness and the additional risks that they're ask, being asked to take on and what can they, and what is their response? Their response is going to be to raise wages. So I think there is some pressure there. But I also think there's a real conversation about does this result in a reevaluation or a redefinition of who's essential and how we value those essential workers? I think it's pretty apparent that grocery store workers, childcare workers are all being seen as, as essential in a way that was always true, but maybe not so front and center. And so some of these jobs that we've traditionally undervalued, many of which are dominated by women, that maybe there'll sort of be a rethinking of that and what that looks like. And so livable wage seems like the page one. Right. That like getting everybody to be able to afford their basic needs seems like the first step, but also thinking about how to ensure that wage growth keeps up with productivity is is growing at a fair rate as opposed to being taken by capital, right?
2: There's also the inequity of living situations. A lot of the workers, the factory workers who are or the manufacturing workers who were sent home didn't necessarily have a good place to spend two months of quarantine or weren't necessarily in a domestic situation that was amenable, not just the, you know, all the workers, every worker who suddenly found themselves not going to the office every day. For a lot of people, that was not a great development in their lives. And I think people who are able to work at home in a comfortable place where they they can do their work without interruption and without fear from other members of the household, those people are very, very lucky. And I think we're all aware that not everybody has that luxury of a great place to work every day or just to spend quarantine.
0: Given all of that, is there a push to, as we reopen the economy after it's been shut down for so long? And we look towards a recovery from a really severe economic downturn to do things differently, to somehow solve or at least try to mitigate some of these inequality issues.
2: I've heard many people express the hope that the way that everything was tossed in the air briefly for so many will give us all an opportunity to rethink the way we do things. And I also am struck by how many people have written to say that, you know, to praise their employers for going out of their way to help them by continuing their health insurance when they were furloughed, for making sure like some of the big restaurants just made sure their employees had meals. But in answer to your question, the kind of structural reasons behind the pay gap are really complex and I don't think that the measures that we have taken in the last two months are able to address all of them.
0: I asked Bram Kleppner from Danforth whether he thinks the crisis could change the long-term prospects for workers.
1: For me, it has thrown into relief so many big issues. You know, inequality, minimum wage, the need for universal health care, you know, the need for a competent federal government, right? Like there's sort of all these things that we would have done much better in this crisis if we had... You know, also sort of these unintended or unexpected consequences of a virus, which is all of a sudden the air's a lot cleaner. And, and, you know, a lot of people, I think, are really sad about that going, oh, my God, that just shows how much we've trashed it. But I find it kind of encouraging because um, it shows us how quickly the air clears when we stop burning fossil fuels. Right, like makes me hopeful that uh, the transition to a clean energy future may happen just the tiniest bit faster because people have now literally seen the benefits with their own eyes and probably felt it with their, with their own lungs. Do you have the same hopefulness on the economic side
0: that, you know, as we reopen and rebuild the economy that we can resolve some of those equity issues you were talking about?
1: Oh, boy. I... You know, I, I'm optimistic, but I think partially, simply as a psychological dodge to avoid despair, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, much less optimistic economically, you know, it just feels as though, you know, you look at the legislation over the past 50 years that has, you know, systematically favored the wealthy over workers and has led to this spectacular transfer of wealth from working people to wealthy people, and, you know, in terms of who gets all of the gains of the last 50 years um, and all the terrible things that does to our economy and our society and our health and everything else. And, and that's tough. Um, it's going to be a long uphill battle. Well. Thanks again, Bram, for taking the time
0: to talk. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Take care. Take care. You can find Ann Wallace Allen's full story on economic inequality during the pandemic at vtdigger.org and find all of our COVID-19 coverage in one place at vtdigger.org slash coronavirus. You're listening to The Deeper Dig, a weekly podcast from the BT Digger Newsroom. Search for it and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and you'll get new episodes as soon as they land. We used music this week by Blue Dot Sessions. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Digger Newsroom. Have a nice weekend.